Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Cause I'm giving you up Just like I did them Marlboro Lights I'm giving you up That's a good one. Appreciate we it. can't get sued for that, right? If he can, sings it, we can't get sued. No, you, you, you find, the recording. I ain't gonna sue nobody. <laughs> Episode 382, Cameron Marlowe. I like this guy's song that goes, Cause I'm giving you up Cause I'm giving you up That's a jam, huh? It's good. Guy can really sing. We brought him in, and he did Folsom Prison in the studio. He did some other stuff, too, but I remember him doing this, and everybody on the show was like, what the heck? Here's a clip. I don't know when, but I'm stuck in Folsom Prison. You go find that on a YouTube channel because of uh, legal rules. We can't play the whole thing. But we did figure out a way to skirt that during this episode. Yeah, it's cool. It's not fraud. We're not doing anything illegal. It's just the recording. You know, it's, yeah. So, and here's the weird thing about this situation with Cameron and myself, I walked into the room because what I like about Cameron, Cameron got there 15 minutes early. Very early. Any day, every day. Love it. But most don't. Most get there because they know it's my house. They get there five minutes early. I love when people are early. But I remember I was using the bathroom and he calls and I was like, oh, boop. And I, I text Mike because Mike's over at the studio and I'm like, hey, give me just a minute. And so I'm a little, uh, I wouldn't say fully frazzled, partially frazzled because I'm trying to get over there. So I get over there and I walk in, probably still seven, eight minutes before it's supposed to start, but love somebody that's early. And his manager's there and it's him. And I'm just still like rushing. And I say to her, hey, good to see you again. And I say to him, hey, nice to meet you. It should have been the opposite way. Oh. Because <laughs> I'd never, but I meant it the other way. I was just like, I'd never met her. And obviously, and it, so it was like a little bit through, I realized I'd said nice to meet you to Cameron. And I was like, I'm such an idiot. But know that, that's where I was when this started. Yeah. Going, uh-oh, I got to get going here. Uh, but it, it's it's really good. I enjoyed Cameron. enjoyed hanging out with him. He's really talented, and I hope you check his music out. So here we go. Cameron Marlowe here on the Bobbycast. The first time, Cameron, I think I, I guess I knew about you, but the first time that somebody that I was close to was like, hey, this Cameron Marlowe guy's pretty good. 
was I'm good friends with Jake Owen, and we were going out on the boat. We were somewhere not here. I don't remember where we were. Okay. But we had a, we had a boat, and he was like, I was driving. I was listening to one of those playlists, and everything sounds the same. He said, except for, he said, do you know Cameron Marlowe? I said, I don't know him personally. Not, not yet, anyway. He goes, man. And he had a song. And he was like, this song's so good. Did he, like, post that? He did, man. He, uh, I remember him shooting, like, I guess doing a little story about it or something. Yeah. And I, was, I thought that was pretty cool, man. Yeah, because he just genuinely was, you know, moving through music. And you know what it's like. You hear a lot of music, songs that you've written, that other people have written, songs that are on radio, songs oh, yeah. And same for him. He hears stuff all the time. But he was like, man, this stuff just like feels and hits a little different. I love that. Man. And I, Yeah, and I would assume coming from somebody that has done it successfully for a long time, to have that, because you didn't ask him his opinion. And that's tough. Yeah. If somebody asks your opinion on something, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And he just kind of came out. Like, that's got to be good, right? Like a, like a peer, but also somebody who all has, has done it big is, is complimenting your work. Without a doubt, man. And it's, uh, it's one of those things where you kind of feel like I have to pinch myself sometimes just because I would never expect him to be here, so... What's nice. happening like right now, career-wise? Is it coming so fast at you, or does it feel like you're so close to it that it's not moving fast enough? Ooh, a little bit of both. I feel like when I first started this, it was like everything was so quick. Like, got to get in meetings, got to get in meetings. And then COVID happened, and then it was just completely shut down. And then we picked back up, and it was like, I think I got a little obsessed with it to the point where I was like, oh, I don't feel like things are happening at all. So I think I'm in all three stages. <laughs> when did you move to town? Uh, about four years ago. So you were here how long until COVID started to affect things? Um, I'd say about a year. Did you feel that you were getting some traction, like real traction, whenever everything had to stop? I did, man, because uh, I put out my first single, and it was the first thing that I'd ever put out ever. And uh, it started blowing up. It was called Giving You Up, and it just started rolling, and people were listening to it. And we had all this momentum with it and taking meetings, and everybody was excited and getting tour offers and things like that. And then it all just kind of shut down. And I was like, oh, man, now what do we do? What did you do? I sat at the house and wrote a bunch of songs. <laughs> I think just like everybody else, man. I went back home to Carolina and just spent time with the family. I mean, it's such a tease. It is, man. Right? You got here, and it's, all right, we like you. Let's get some stuff going. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to fight that fight to get back in front of people, I guess. Yeah. And uh, so I guess that's kind of what last year was about, was just kind of fighting that fight to get back in front of people's faces and, Rebuild momentum. What are you doing now every day here in town? Are you on the road a couple days a week? Are you touring constantly right now? We uh, we took January off just because we toured so crazy last year. Um, but yeah, this year is going to be on the road as much as I can, as bright and as much as I can. Are you going to ride on the road? Because that's a different animal. That is obviously. a whole different yeah. thing, man. I try, and uh, I don't feel like I get my favorite songs. I've gotten great songs that are going to go on this next record, but um, riding on the road, but. It's a whole different mindset, I feel like. For me, I'm more of a, like, if I'm in show mode, I'm in show mode. If I'm in writing mode, I'm in writing mode. I don't know. Some of my friends will come right off stage and hop right under the bus. And, you know, and the rig's already going, and they, they start writing, and that's just exhausting. That is, man. That's, they're better than me. <laughs> I would that, say that. <laughs> and then it's, you know, you're on the road for two, three, four days, and you come back, and you only have a few days. And I'll deal with this a little bit, too, if I'm out doing comedy and then doing the radio show. It's that I've only got a few days to kind of catch back up. And I'm trying to catch up on life stuff and Absolutely. make sure bills and dogs and and laundry, mm-hmm. laundry, man. That stuff and then piles it's like up. And I, now you got to also be creative. So it's just when you're touring, it's just hard to be as creative Definitely. as possible. So you've used this time to just write. January, like into last Definitely. year, did you write a bunch of songs then? Definitely, man. And like when you're on the road, I feel like it's like this group. 
you use all that. I don't know. I'm kind of an inter- introverted person. So like, I feel like I, when I push out all that energy and stuff like that, I have to be at home and I just kind of sit in silence a little bit. So I don't like have that creative flow going. So I have to like just book myself or book myself a like week just to focus on writing. Uh, good then, for you. Yeah. I've tried to make this year a year where occasionally I get bored. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Because, and Mike and I were talking about it. It's like we're running hot all the time. And if you're always running to the next thing, there's no time to really gather creativity. Mm. And a forced creativity to me, I mean, you can get the key in the keyhole, but it barely fits. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. you know and it's never, like you said, you, I never get my favorite stuff when it's a forced I feel like it becomes spot. monotonous at that point. And, and just like a task. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a it's job. For yeah. sure, it's a job. But it's a job that we do because we love it. Exactly. And because we got to be creative. But it is, uh, it's a balance. I, I'm excited to see how you balance this now because you're going on the road, you're playing, your shows are getting bigger, obviously. And, but now, because your record came out last year, right? Yep. What, year. what month? Uh, September, I think. Like late, right? Like close to last quarter of the last year? I should know that, but I don't. Yeah, so, so should I. I knew it was late last year. But, and now that you have this record that people really like, they're ready for new stuff. And so, But but now you got to write, you got to get better yeah, at the same time. Absolutely. And it's crazy, man. I feel like there's been a shift in this past couple of years where like there is no rules. Like there's not like an album cycle or anything like that. It's like people just want to consume music all the time. I mean, you can put like, out man. one or you can put out 40. Exactly. <laughs> as really long can. as it's good and people like it. Yeah. And it's it's within the strategy that you can maintain and really give it the love and support that it deserves. Mm-hmm. There is no, you're right. There There's are no rules, no rules except anymore. for the ones you make for yourself. Without a doubt. Yeah. But it's tough to commit to a bunch of stuff and then not really have the capacity for it. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's, what's good about you is you've now worked hard enough that you're about to work so hard you want to vomit. <laughs> and... It sucks and it's awesome at the same time. Definitely. I remember when that, when that happened for me, I was on the plane constantly. I was working. I was radio show at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was up uh, on stage, get off at 11. And I was like almost vomiting because you don't get enough sleep. You're mm. not eating right. But you're doing all this work. And I remember feeling sorry for myself. But it was, I've worked this hard to get to work this freaking hard. Absolutely. And you're there. And it's a really great thing. I'm, I'm super pumped for you. I, I, get, I appreciate that. And I... I I get that though, man, because like I'll get into that my own pity party sometimes, and I, I, that drives me insane. And I think ending last year, I, I was in like a real just weird spot with that, where I was like, man, why do I, why am I so like in this weird spot of not feeling like I'm doing enough, even though I'm doing all, the, all the stuff that I can all the time. So. And that's normal though, right? I guess, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's absolutely normal. Yeah. Everybody gets in funks and tireds, and but I just have to like check myself out of it and go. Man, I begged for this. I worked Definitely. so hard to be this tired. Not right now. I worked so hard to get to this point where now I now get to be this tired. Yeah, man. And then eventually you'll kill out so much you don't have to be this tired anymore. Yeah. You got planes. <laughs> you got five buses. Yeah, getting you know, sleep all the time, man. It's all a cycle. Yeah, it's all a cycle. What's, how do you say your hometown? Canapolis? Canapolis, yeah. What's Canapolis, North Carolina like? So uh, it's been through quite a change. Um, when I was young, we were a mill town. It was uh, just like cotton mill, basically getting linens and stuff like that all across the country. Um, when I turned, I think 10 years old, they shut the mill down and, uh, it just kind of sat empty. The, the town did, there's nothing really there. Um, until about, I'd say three years ago, we built a cancer research campus 
downtown where the mills used to be, and then now they have a baseball park that's down there. A lot of life back into the town. Yeah, man. It's, it's really been cool. Like Every time I go back home, there's like a new building down there. And when I was young, like nobody went downtown. It was just its own. It was kind of a ghost town. That's exciting. I, I'm from a town of 800 people in Mountain Pine, Arkansas. We had a sawmill warehouser. Mm. And the whole you went to work there after school. Mm-hmm. Almost nobody went to college. But you went to work at the mill, and that's what you did. And, yeah. But when the mill shut down... Very similar. The town died. Yeah, man. And people had to move, find jobs and yeah. stuff like that. It's, just... it's super cool to hear you say that they built something else there and now new jobs and there's like a new economy Yeah, there. man. It's wild to see it. it. How many people live there? Oh, shoot. I couldn't tell you. I know when I was younger. How many traffic was, lights you got? Uh, we got five. Four. Okay. Yeah. How many dollar stores you got? Like Dollar General, Dollar? Oh, they're all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so not, it's obviously not super small, but it's still a small town. Yeah. How... Your high school, how many kids graduated with you? Um, I had 100 kids graduate with me. Small? Yeah. Yeah. That's 50? Yeah. Yeah. So small. Yeah, not too bad. Whenever you were in high school, what what kid were you? Cameron is the blank kid. Uh, I was always the music kid, I'd say. Um, I never thought I'd chase it, but I loved it. Really? Yeah. I, I, I don't know why. I just wasn't, didn't think it was a realistic thing. Did you play... I'm assuming you started... This is a lot of assumption here. No, you, yeah. that you started playing or at least singing young because you're from the South. North Carolina to me is the South. Yeah. Like, you sing in church? Yep. Grew okay. up singing in church. So you do that. Did you learn to play guitar young? Um, Yeah, I'd say so. About 10, 13. When you say music in high school, then were you a guitar music kid or were you also learning music in the band? Oh, man. I did the band thing for a year. Uh, marching band. Realized real cool. That's not how you get girls. What, <laughs> and, uh, what instrument? <laughs> I was a snare drummer, so my very you know first that's instrument was That's the coolest instrument, though. It I was, mean, man. Gotta... I was just out there getting it. Yeah, <laughs> they made movies about that. <laughs> they yeah. made it look a lot cooler on the movies, though. <laughs> so you didn't like marching marching band? I didn't, man. And uh, I kind of talked to the, my band teacher there, and I was like, I want to start a class that like I can learn how to perform. And he was like, Well, that's interesting. So he started this class called Rock Band, and that's kind of like where. I started to learn how to play guitar and that's sing. That's pretty cool. Time. Yeah, so they, that, they would do that at your school. They would, man, and uh, I, it was me and like four other kids that was in this class. But I didn't take it for granted. I loved it, man. I was, it, I just learned how to put a band together and things like that. And I look back and I'm like, man, that really actually kind of helped me. Yeah. Did some kid get forced to play the bass? Oh yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the little brother. A lot of times he's forced to play bass because the big brother plays guitar. Yeah. I just figured there's some kid in that class that was like, man, I wanted to play guitar. <laughs> So in this class, there's four or five of you guys. What are they? What does he? What's rock band about? Like, are you going in learning about some of the great rock bands? Are you individually working on things? There wasn't ever like a strict like assignment. Like we never had an exam or anything. Basically, all we did was go in there and we would learn a song a day or try and learn a song a day and be able to perform it. We never really performed anything with it, but we just tried to like make a band, I guess. Did you guys jam? Was that part of the class where you would just kind of figure it out? It was a great third yeah, period, man. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. So you're you're singing in church at how old? Oh, man, I started when I was probably six years old. And are you singing? Because the Baptist church that I went to growing up, it was really gospel-y. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a lot of stuff like when we go down here. It's newer music, yeah. even pop sensibilities, country sensibilities. But it was, ours was old school gospel. What was your church music like? Exact same way. I went to a small Southern Baptist church too, so it was a lot of hymns. Like uh, Rock of Ages, I Fly Away. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, did you love music then, or was it something that your family was like, hey, Cameron, we need you to do this? Like, when did it become kind of a, a like a burning part of you that you wanted to, 
You said you didn't know you'd do it forever, but you wanted to do it 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. Man, I loved music, and I knew I did, and I knew that I'd been gifted to be able to play and sing. So I, I started uh, just when I went to college. I went to study music, but I didn't make it long in college. But I, um, like, basically to make side money, I would go play random places playing cover songs and just kind of set up in the corner of a bar and just uh, take tip money if they'd give it to me or if they were paying, I wouldn't. I would just... Try yeah. and do it and enjoy it. What did you love playing the most when it come to, came to cover songs? Like, Or what did you know you were going to get paid the most if you did? Oh, I knew if I did like the, the newest songs out, I'd get tipped more. But I love like older stuff for some reason, man. Like I love Ray Charles and Stevie Ray Vaughan and stuff like that. Like I love that blues heavy, like real singable kind of melodies and things like that. So I, I grew up loving a lot of older country music like George Jones because, I mean, his voice was one of my favorites. And then getting into, like, that blue side with Ray Charles and P.B. King and that kind of stuff. Um, your parents, did you grow up with both parents? I did. Are they both still alive? Yeah. Are they together still? Yeah. Okay, I just blessed. want to make sure before no. I get into these questions. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, so either one of your parents musical at all? Um, I think my dad sang when he was real young, and I don't think, and my mom sang when she was younger. But not but, so much that you were heavily influenced. No, no, they, they just sang in a church kind of thing. Like, everybody did choir and stuff in the church. When you tell them that you want to be a full-time songwriter, artist, <laughs> musician, full-time. Yeah. It's different than playing during college or high school. or Like, what do they say to that? Um, they knew I was pretty miserable uh, at the job I had. I was basically selling car parts for General Motors, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to chase this in Nashville, and they were 100% behind me. I mean, I came to town, and I slept on an air mattress for about six months before I could get a little rental or not a rental bed but like a little a rental bed, now, that's, <laughs> rental bed. Mike, that's what we need to get in that market the rental bed market yeah that sounds gross i wouldn't rent one but i'd rent, rent them out so you're 21 or so when you move here yeah so you move here at 21 and where do you live on an air mattress uh donaldson with two other guys i met them at red door randomly and they were like man we're gonna get a house and i was like all right and uh they were like you should move here and that's kind of where my wheels started turning. You were at Red Door from home. You came yeah. from North Carolina. Yeah, I came right? from North Carolina. Got I was it. traveling up here quite a bit. Sorry, I'm not filling in these pieces. Uh, but I'll yeah. fill them in. If you miss it, I'll go back to it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, but I was just kind of traveling back and forth, just trying to meet as many people as I could, understand the town. I didn't know what anything about the music business was like. Uh, I didn't know what a publisher was, a record label, what they really did, or anything like that. So I, I was just trying to learn as much as I could. What was the first time that you came to Nashville – you could have been 19, 20, 21, whenever you decided that you were going to come to Nashville and you were going to try to figure out music, but you weren't moving here yet. Do you remember the first time you came here just to explore? Yeah, definitely. What do you do in that time? I'm always curious because it's not like you know some songwriters already. You're, it's your first time. What do you do? Definitely. And I had met some friends that had been coming up and like back from Nashville, so they kind of took me around. I did the Broadway thing. So they were from North Carolina? Yeah. Got it. Yeah, and uh, then they were like, well, we got to go to Midtown. That's where all the industry people hang out and I thought that was cool I was like oh man <laughs> and so I went down here and uh just kind of talked to as many people as that, that would talk to me and tried to set up rights and I was being that guy <laughs> at Red Door be like oh we should write sometime <laughs> so yeah did man. that work did you make rights I did Red Door? I did and I would travel up as much as my job would let me to get up here and try and write and I was writing terrible songs man. <laughs> well you have to before you can write Kind of terrible, then pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you got to know, <laughs> sure. you know how to write bad. Without a doubt. Uh, so you move here and you move in a house with some dudes you didn't know, except you met at Red Door. How did that 
roommate situation go for you? It actually went really well. Um, I just met them through mutual people uh, at the bar, and they were like, basically said they were getting a house, and I honestly kind of blew it off. I was like, they're never going to call me back to see. And two weeks later, they're like, we found a house. This is when we're moving in. This is down payment. And I was like, all right, so I guess we're going to do it. And that's what actually got you to move here was them going, hey, we got this. Let's go. It was. I had to play a show that night. I picked up a show just so I could make that down payment to uh, be able to move up here. And nice. I just packed my stuff the next week and moved to town. Man. W- what'd your parents say as you m- drove off or moved away? Uh, good luck. Yeah. Slap you on the butt. Yeah, good luck. I mean, they, they've always known that I wanted this. It, like deep down, they didn't know that I would chase it this hard. I think they felt like I was going to move back after a while. But uh, once things started moving around or moving along, they've just always been there to support me, man. I've been very, very blessed by that. How did you start making money here? What was your first paying job? Um, I don't know. Did you have any jobs here that weren't music? Did you no, okay. no, I, I went straight into it. So you go straight into it. How do you start making any money at all? Broadway. I played Broadway like crazy, man. Old Red was very good to me. They had me on like three, three times a week. So I was able to make good tip money and uh, a good check as well. So I was actually doing better here than I was back in Carolina. How long were those sets? Three hours. And at times, uh, do you have the phone in front of you, like on the stand? And are you playing stuff oh, you're learning as you go? Oh, yeah. I have to imagine, again, that that makes you actually a better player, though. Just out there for three hours learning by doing it and the pressure of eyeballs on you all the time and the pressure of if you're not good, they're not going to tip you. Exactly. Yeah, it is, it, there is a weird pressure there because, like, it's they're not really there to see you as much as you want to think that they are. They're there to have lunch and have drinks and hang out with their buddies, but you've still in the back of your mind want to command them to pay attention. So that's when, like, you have to kind of take the bricks off and <laughs> sing as hard as you can to try and make them pay attention. What's a big night? What was a big night tip-wise at Old Red? And what night would make the most tips? Oh, uh, man, I actually never did nights, so I was always the early day. Dang. Yeah, I was early day, but best day I made, I think I made 500 bucks, and I about lost my mind. Wow. I like, was excited. What, what was so different about that that day just I, a bunch of bachelorette parties came uh, through. It wasn't you? I was no. expecting, like, I was really feeling it, man. My G chord. It no. was just... Re- so you're playing all these shows. Do you feel like you were getting better as a songwriter even in the middle of you hustling to make money? Definitely, because every night I would try and songwrite with somebody. Uh, it didn't matter if I was playing two shifts that day or whatever it was. I was still trying to songwrite every day. How long did you live with those guys? I lived there for about two years, and then they ended up moving. Did you guys have any big, I hate you, you, you ate my bread? No, nothing like that, man. It was actually, I, somehow, by the grace of God. That's I, why I was asking. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, what a situation. Yeah, it really, it really worked out great, man. We all became friends, and we still talk all together all the time, man. Still? Yeah. Are they still in music? No, neither one of them, man. But that's what they came down here to chase. I was the lucky one that got to keep going. Are they gone from Nashville? They are. One's in South Carolina, one's in Chicago now. Do most folks, because I don't get to know folks until they're starting to get to a certain place. Mm-hmm. Do most, like when you move here and there are all these people that move here at the same time, kind of your class, yeah. do most of them not stay? Do most of them hit a wall and go, you know what, this isn't for me? Either they're here to songwrite or to to be an artist. Do they go back home? I'd say out of my f- initial group that I like hung around and stuff like that, there was three of us that have really stayed and kept chasing it. Of how many? I would say probably 20. Wow. Yeah. That's some little attrition there. I haven't really thought about that, but yeah, man. Miss them? <laughs> I do, <laughs> we'll get man. them crying on this one. <laughs> this is how. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. 
And Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this. Take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Did you fall off stage? Am I thinking? Yeah, I thinking yeah, oh, yeah. That was you, right? Yeah. My back still. But dead. it was like on tour. It was uh, like on Morgan's tour. Yeah. What happened there? I just took one step too many, and uh, I thought I had one more step of stage left, and I was just about to say thank y'all so much, and I threw oh, my hand up to end. say thank y'all, and just went straight down. <laughs> so, how bad were you hurt versus how bad were you scared or embarrassed? Um, I would say embarrassment was through the roof. Hurt, I didn't feel the pain initially. I just kind of jumped up and ran off. Uh, I, I went and got checked out and then started getting a little stiff. But now, man, I went to a chiropractor. I think she messed me up worse than I was before. I've, I've been limping and stuff now, and I, cold mornings get me. So I'm like, oh, man, I got a long road ahead. Wait, how long ago was this? Uh, five, six months ago. 
That's what I thought because I remember seeing the video. Yeah. Or like it was a grainy. Yeah, yeah. Situ- somebody, and you're still like feeling the effects. Of- oh yeah, man. I got that like nerve pain goes down your legs now. <laughs> I feel real old. Oh man. <laughs> I'll be all right. That's some, that sucks. Yeah, but how's it going on on that tour? Oh man, it's a, that was a blast. Uh, I got to learn a lot from them. I mean, I try and learn from everybody that I'm around, but I mean, they there's nobody more professional than Wallen's camp and Hardy's camp. So learning from them and getting to hang with those guys, I mean, they're they're top notch. There's the song during Morgan's set where Hardy comes up from under the ground. Uh, he went to Jared. Yeah, or, man, that that that's, that's a, a cool moment. That's man. an epic moment. I mean, I, again, I feel like I've seen it all at this point. Yeah, and went to Morgan's show. And it was good. Yeah. It was just, I mean, I know Morgan and things that happen. All of a sudden, Hardy boom, shoots up and they hit that song. God dang. Yeah. Energy, man. Yeah. <laughs> Some energy there. That was legit. Where do the blues... Why are you a fan of the blues? Like, how did that get to you? Um, The singing. I think the... Uh, but who exposed you to it? Your grandparents? Did they like blues music? I just kind of... When I, I got Spotify one day and I just kind of went down a rabbit hole of like chasing that kind of stuff and uh, I didn't really get into Ray Charles until I watched that Ray movie really? and then I heard all that uh, all that music off there and I was like man this stuff is great so I just went down that rabbit hole and just became a massive fan of him and just loved the way that he kind of commands somebody when he speaks and I mean when he sings and it's almost like a it's gospely in its own way my my grandma was a massive Ray Charles fan but I was introduced to him through modern sounds of country music mm. And because she was, we're from, I'm from Arkansas, and anybody from Arkansas was a god mm. to her because nobody came out of Arkansas. And so if they did, obviously Johnny Cash was massive to her. So we listened to a lot of Johnny Cash, but also a lot of Ray Charles. But I really just knew him as Ray Charles who did the gospel records and modern sounds of country music until yeah. you get older and you realize he was also a big pop star too Without because of all those big songs. But man, talk about like soul and you're right. Command is a good word for him when, when he would perform, at least through watching videos of him. Yeah, definitely. I was watching the, because you brought up, I was watching the Tam, uh, George and Tammy. Oh, dude, I loved that. Did you watch this? Yeah, series? I watched it. I loved it. Because you brought him up a second ago to watch that back. And the fact they did not, if they would have had social media. <laughs> dude, talk about crazy God times going on <laughs> And I've talked to some old timers now who would talk to old timers about George Jones and how for a lot of time it was out of control. Like we Man. think that some of those '90s alternative guys or Motley Crue or yeah, that's that 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 was. I think that was easy easy stuff yeah. going. On. <laughs> I was watching it with my wife and in the first scene they're taping up his legs so he can't bend them so that makes him walk out on stage. And she was like, "Is this real?" I was like, "From what I've heard, it was this crazy." That is wild, for, man. Is a good series. I, that the guy who plays George Jones, what's his name, Mike? Mike, wasn't he so good? Yeah, he was, man. He did great. And sounded just like him. Yeah. And I didn't know Jessica Chastain could sing. I didn't either. <laughs> but I thought, I thought that you that series was so good. Yeah, man. And I didn't get into it going, all right, I'm going to love this. Because I thought maybe they would take some liberties, and I'm sure they did take a few. But I, did you watch all of it? Like all six episodes, eight episodes? I have one last episode that I haven't yeah. watched. It's like, you think, people, you think people go hard now. <laughs> That's when they went hard. You ain't kidding, man. Yeah, some of those early episodes, yeah, watching the... Like the uh, just the pills and stuff like that. I was like, man, I I'm scared to take Advil. Like I don't like taking medicine at all. I couldn't imagine doing stuff like that. Are you getting it all out of your system right now? What do you mean? Have you got it out of your system? Like the 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 whiskey, the you know? It's- I, I'd say I have, man. I when I, on my very first tour, I was lucky enough to go out with Brad Paisley, and I was like, oh, this is what rock stars do. This is this is how I need to be. I need to be 
drunk all the time and just like really enjoy myself. And I think, man, I was, it started to hurt and it just, I, my mind was cloudy all the time. And like, I still have like a whiskey drink before I go on stage. And you should. It kind of calms your nerves and it, everything in moderation, even mediumation. Yeah. As long as it's not affecting what your day to day is. Absolutely. Or as long as you're not being controlled by it. Without a doubt. And that's the big thing because I, I never want to be a person that feels like they're controlled by a substance by any means, whether it's marijuana, any, anything. And it's, uh, so I just kind of backed away from it and kind of got that out of my system a little bit. Your grandma smoked weed, right? Didn't you find out she smoked weed and you wrote a song about that? I did. Granny, yeah. what's it, Granny's got a Granny's garden? Granny's got a garden. So, <laughs> hmm, how do I ask this? Okay, how'd you find out? Uh, I came over to her house high. And she smelled it on me. And I, she kind of, I thought she was going to rip me a new one. She was like, we need to go talk. She takes me back to her uh, to her room, and she's, like, acting all mad at me. And my grandpa's laughing in the kitchen, and I could hear him. And uh, about that time, she pulls out a jar of weed and rolling papers and rolls up a joint, and then we smoke before breakfast that morning. <laughs> <laughs> and does she say anything like, don't go telling anybody else about this? She told me just not to tell a church. Now her, her church is probably... They probably heard <laughs> this story told a couple times now. So did she give you any advice during that? Because I would imagine if your grandma's with you and she's like, hey, let's sit down. You think you're in trouble. You're not in trouble. You actually have something in common. Yeah. That's like that's a cool moment. It was, man. Yeah, that's and, a cool moment. But I don't know if we had much advice. Or you don't remember. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't remember. I know breakfast was good that morning. <laughs> um, I read a story, too, about you. you but you were way young. You were planning to propose to your girl. Yeah. And the story, there was a story because you wrote a song, whatever. Well, I say whatever because that to me that wasn't the headline. I think mm. you were the fact that you were maybe nineteen. I was twenty years old. I was planning on getting what engaged. What the crap? Yeah, man. I looking back, I was way out of line. To me, it's not <laughs> even about the song and what came from it. It's like, why are you trying to propose at nineteen, Dude, twenty years old? You're not kidding. And uh, I, I didn't realize how much I had to learn. And at twenty years old, I thought I was grown up because I had like big boy job, and I was like, man, this is like this is what people do back home. They get married early and. uh they settled down, and that's kind of what I saw life as. So when it didn't work out, that's kind of another reason why I moved to Nashville. I was like, to get away, and then I found so much more life out here that I didn't even know I hadn't lived yet. Boy, what a blessing, though. Without a doubt. Because you were, okay, so walk me through. You were going to propose. You may have to get a little vulnerable here yeah. to share some, some stuff that makes you feel <laughs> not as in control. But you were going to propose, or you did propose? No, I was going to propose. I was two weeks away. Did you have a ring? I had a ring, yeah. And you were two weeks away. Then what happened? Uh, she say, I don't want to get married. She was she... in college, and she we basically, like, I went over to her college one night, and uh, we were just kind of talking, and I could feel things were a little off. And uh, so I walk her, or we walk outside, and kind of walk back to my truck, and uh, she was like, you know what? I just don't think this is going to work out anymore. She was like, I, I want to experience college a little more. And I mean, just the normal. She was growing up too, so I don't hold her against it or hold it against her. Or yeah, you were kids. Yeah, well, I mean, we were literally kids. Yeah, you were kids. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it it worked out for the better. Thank God she was extremely mature, without a doubt. That's one of those where at the time you're like, I'm never gonna get over this. This sucks. Oh, dude. I'm so. What was the song you wrote after that? Giving you up. So that was the uh, that was the very first song I put out. So we have these new rules, and it's so stupid. Okay. Because, it, well, you don't. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> but we can't play clips of songs anymore because we get sued all the time. So, Mike, we've never done this before. But what we should do is, because we we'd come on and we'd play the whole hook of 
giving you up and you'd mm. be like, da-da-da, and then we wouldn't get sued and it'd be a great day. You know, that, that, <laughs> that was every time we did one of these. We wouldn't get sued. We'd play some clips. <laughs> so don't sing it hard, but give me like the giving you up like melody if you were just kind of mumbling it. So, uh, Oh, I can't say words? No, you can do whatever okay. you want, but I, I don't want to pressure you to have to sing because no, I did not warm you up. No, you're fine. Because okay. uh, I'm giving you up. It's like I did them Marlboro Lights, him giving you up. That's a good one. Yeah. We, we can't get sued for that, right? If we he can, sings it, we can't get sued. No, you, you're fine. I ain't going to sue nobody. <laughs> yeah, well, you, yeah, you're not going to sue us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you put a song out like that, or when you just record a song like that, do you send it to her after you write it? Oh, I sent it out of spite, man. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> and do you, do you just... Re- do you send it out of you record it on your iPhone after you finished, or do you wait and go into a studio or you do it at the house? Like, how did she get the first version of that? Um, I think it was after the studio. I sent her the rough out of the studio. But how long from when you guys broke up till you made a rough out of the studio? Probably a year. Dang, you waited a year to hit her with that. <laughs> Dang, well, we, we had talked in between. I hear you. Yeah. Man. <laughs> you hit her a year later. <laughs> Bring oh, <man. laughs> She's like, "What is this? A file giving you?" Dang, yeah. I was like, I haven't put a camera in a year. <laughs> do, do you tell her it's coming? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I told her, and I was like, well, this is, like, I have a song, and uh, I didn't, I don't know if I, I, I guess in my young mind, I didn't want to, like, open any more doors by, like, playing something like that. And then when it, I was going to come out, and I didn't want her to get blindsided by it, so I just. Or did you really just wanted to hear it? A little both. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, hum, human nature. Yeah. I'd be like, listen how good I am now. You really messed this up. And I, and I pawned your ring. Look at this guitar I bought. That's what I feel like. That was, that was it. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort. Little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. 
Sue Brewer, and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means the families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. Uh, so you signed a record deal in like 2020, um, you know, and things are happening. Pandemic then happens. Yeah. I mean, when, when you sign a record deal, I would just think, at least I would be like, oh, I'm about to rock. This is going to be awesome. A record deal with Man. a major label it's to get the stadiums ready. Dude, and, and that's, that's the first thing you think. It's like, oh, I'm going. You don't, and you don't see rich. the work. Yeah, yeah you, you don't see the work at all. And you're like, oh, man, this, everything just fell into place. I'm about to be arena headline tour next year. It's going to be great. And uh, then you realize, oh, wait, I got to really work. Like, I'm just a baby, like, mm-hmm. nobody artist. <laughs> don't nobody know me. When you came to the studio and played Folsom Prison, I just remember, and I've heard, again, 10,000 people play that song. But God dang, it, is, it was so powerful. And your tone is a big part of it, not just you being loud. Appreciate it. And I didn't know you from being on The Voice. If my wires are getting crossed, stop oh, me here. No. You were on The Voice, right? I was. Okay. I didn't know you from being on The Voice, but I remember a video, seeing a video of, of that post, which is why I think we were like, hey, come in and play this song. And to have a lot of people know you from playing that song, do you ever want to not play that song? Do you feel the pressure to play that song even though it's a cover, but a lot of people know and discovered you from that song? No, uh, I, I actually enjoy it because I never did that one on The Voice. I just kind of came up with that at the house one day. And uh, it just, I, like I said. Is that I'm what a, it was? Yeah. I must have just seen a collection of videos for me because I'm I'm, I watch all your videos at home, <laughs> alone. I take videos of you when you aren't looking. <laughs> but that one blew up though, right? It did. Or it yeah. wouldn't have been sent to me. Yeah. Okay. So you don't feel the pressure because it went viral to play it? No, I'm, and it's a part of our set, but if we... Like if we take it out, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I'll do. I love playing it. Yes. But, oh, oh, great. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. I, if you love playing, I play it every freaking set. Yeah, exactly. I play it twice. Like I want to write more songs you, that are in that vein. So I love having that kind of. I didn't know if you would, would get annoyed by having to play some, or or feeling like there was a pressure on you to play something that you did previously that went viral. I think I get more annoyed from from some of the songs that I don't feel like. I wrote to the best of my ability that I sing every night. Mm. Like, even Giving You Up being one of the first songs that I really wrote, um, like, I feel more pressure to play it than I do <laughs> that cover for some reason. Yeah, but you have to play it. Oh, yeah, you, you have, have to. to. And you're all, the goal is to always feel that way, honestly. In three years, you want to be annoyed at the songs you just wrote now. Fair enough. Because that means you've grown. I will hear or read old jokes that even I wrote two years ago or hear, and I'm like, oh. Like I'm, I'm almost embarrassed. Yeah, but man, if I wasn't and I was just the same, and I was like, "Oh yeah, look at that, still rocking," yeah. <laughs> I would feel on surface good. But I would go, "Man, I guess I'm just not, I'm not getting any better." But when I do hmm. see a clip of me telling a joke or doing a bit on 
I'm like, and, and it does make me cringe a little bit. Yeah. Like you said, you're embarrassed of these songs you wrote. Like then I'm like, that's awesome. That means I'm actually getting better. That's a, that's a good way to look at it, man. I had never looked at it like that, but I make uh, me want to vomit. <laughs> I'm so over me. I hate me sometimes. <laughs> I, I spend my whole career life every day. It's all me, 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 me because mm. that's the business that I'm in. Yeah. And I I'm over me. Yeah. And so I look and I'm like, and the fact that you talk about that's great. That means you've grown so much as a songwriter. Good man. I, I, I like I like that's a God. I can't talk. That's a good way to look at things. <laughs> it is, because if I don't, I, I, I go crazy if I don't. Yeah. And also, I avoid listening to me. Will you listen? Oh, oh without a that's doubt. That's what I was going to oh, ask. Man. What's the deal on that? Will you listen to a, a live show that you did? Will you record it? Will you listen to work? Ta- like, what's what's your rules on not going crazy? Um, Okay. Work tapes, if I'm, I know that I really, truly love the song, like, a ton, if I listen to the work tape, like, four or five times in a row. What? A ton? Yeah. yeah. So I'll know if, like, if I love that song and I'm like, oh, I'm probably going to put this song out, I'll catch myself wanting to go back and listen to it. If I only listen to it, like, once or twice, I'm like, eh, I'll put it in the pile. And if I don't listen to it, yeah, I'll never see the light of day. Do you ever do the thing, because you're a real artist and I'm a junior varsity, but I'll write something funny, a funny song, and I can't listen to it for a while because I'm so close to it. And in the middle of writing it, I started to second guess everything. And it's, to me, it's not even good anymore about halfway through the writing. And I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. It's not funny. I suck. I'm not funny. My career is over. So I have to take and I'll put it back. Yes, without a doubt. And then I'll have some separation. And like two months later, one of my buddies who I'll write it with, I'll be like, dude, this song we wrote about Hobby Lobby is freaking awesome. Mm. And he's like, what month are we in? <laughs> but I have to do that because I'm too close to it at the time. Without a doubt. Do you, are you able to have that perspective or can you write a song, stay with it, know it's good the whole time and be like, let's go? I, I kind of did that with my album and like where I fell in love with those songs and I got, got in the studio pretty quick to cut them and then I was like, by the time they all got done, I was like, oh man, is anybody even going to listen to this? Because it was in my mind so much. So before we even put it out, I didn't listen to the album until probably right before we sent it to get mastered. Really? Yeah, and I was like, all right. Yeah, I believe in this. Is this you trusting Dan? Yeah, definitely. I, I trust him with my life, man. Me and him are, we've we've gotten so locked in over the over this record, I'd say, that we just put out. Because um, we did a couple sides before that weren't my favorite sonically, and he even agrees with me with that, where he's like, ah, we, we didn't really nail these. And uh, I, I just kind of took that with a grain of salt when we went back into the studio for the record, and I was like, well, we know where we're going now, so me and him really worked together, which I kind of was in the back seat, and that was to my own fault. Like, I did that on purpose because I was kind of letting him him guide the ship, but he really, he works really well when somebody else is giving him direction, so. When you say sonically, is it your voice? Is it guitar tone? Is it, what are, like, who are you now? As far as I don't, musically? No, not even <laughs> musically, but... um. Son, I, I, I want to say sonically because musically you can write from these places and you know what you want to say and why you want to say it. Mm-hmm. But who are you if I just listen to a song for the sake of just turning it on and hearing it and not listening? I'm all over the place, man. And uh, I don't mean to be, but I love so many different styles of music. Um, you'll hear a little blues. You'll hear a little rock. Um, Do you fiddle with tone on guitar all the time? Without a doubt. Is it a co- oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, my I'm, best friends that are guitar players, oh, my God. Like yeah, stop! It sounds exactly the same, dude. <laughs> yeah, it it's kind of a habit, and I'm I'm become like a not British. you. You should keep doing it, sure. But that's how I feel. I'm like, there's no difference in the two tones. It's like when I'm at the eye doctor, and it's like, what about this one? What about this one? It's the same, same one. Yes. Yeah. So why are you giving me different? Li- 
but you're like you you just constantly look for that perfect tone uh, constantly man and uh to, sometimes to a fault like where i'll like get obsessed with it like bass tone for me is such a big thing and like you were, we were making that joke about bass but like bass is such an integral part to to the song and the way that the song feels and uh if the bass doesn't have the right roundness or the right flatness or mm-hmm. however it should sound it, it really can throw a song off at least in my ears i bet you listen to music so different Dude, I miss the days when I could just listen to a song and listen to a song. I know. I, that, those were the good old days. I, I bet you have that, yeah. Um, and I have certain things in my career where I'm the same thing, where I just can't enjoy it because I know, and I've spent so much time in the middle of it. Start learning too much. I know, mm-hmm. and I listen to it a whole different way. Now, I don't have always that with music like you do, also because you're really good. at not, You're not just a great singer. Like, you're a real-life musician, and there's a difference. But I bet you, it's hard for you to listen to anything without trying to pick it apart, unless it's something old that you have an affinity yes. for that you've loved for a without long time. A doubt. And even then I'll go back and I'll be like, man, I thought this record was so much bigger. Like, it, And you listen back and there's like four instruments on it. It's like, how did they make that sound so big back in the day? And then mm-hmm. I'm like, well, maybe our stuff sounds big. I don't, I don't know. I just keep kind of wandering around in those worlds. <laughs> and you'll never stop wandering, no. honestly. And to think of these artists that got in the same room, even we're talking about George and Tammy, and they would show the, back, the background singer, mm-hmm. the... The piano player, the bass, all, they all had to be in the same room and play at the yeah. same time. And it all had to, all right, here we go, three, two, boom, boom. Yeah. And it'd, be, and it'd be perfect or close to it, or that's just what got on the record. Absolutely. And man, we actually, we just went back in, into the studio not too long ago to cut some more songs. And we, we did it that way, which was fun. We did it all to tape because I wanted, I wanted that realness. I wanted some of those mess ups to be on these new songs and kind of make it a, just a little bit of a classic or, or, Classic. No, I, I would have felt that. Classic. Yeah, classic. <laughs> Did you listen to a lot of classic? I listened to a lot of classic rock growing up, 60s and 70s. Yeah, definitely. Was that, does that influence how you're making music now? Without a doubt, man. Uh, 70s rock for me, 70s and 80s rock uh, was what my dad listened to more than anything. My grandpa is where I learned all my country music through. Um, and then my mom was just, I guess she was more in that 90s rock. Mm-hmm. That's what she loves. She loves some Nickelback. So I learned. We had, the, we, had the, we had Nickelback on the show today. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. I'd never met Chad. Well, his name Chad Kruger. I always called him Kroger. Oh, shoot. I didn't know that either. Well, he didn't tell anybody that until like a year ago. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and so I'd always, I listened to Nickelback like crazy when I was younger. We had him on the phone once, but he came in today. That's and awesome. And a lot of energy, right, Mike? It was good. And and talks very dirty. <laughs> He's very much a rock star. Yeah. I believe it. Hey, I yeah. believe it. He's like, He damn know. sure is a rock star, man. <laughs> He's like, the band, they told me that I couldn't uh, get a song with the first line. Uh, I put her pants around her ankles on the radio. And, and we were like, we're listening to this going, what's he, where's he going? Where's he what's going? he going? What's happening here? And he goes, you know what? Number one hit at rock radio, first line. She had her pants around her ankles. And I'm like, all right, we'll put that on the podcast only. <laughs> so what, uh, your parents, what did they do when you were a kid? Uh, my mom was like an eye technician. So she worked at the eye doctor for a while. And then my dad used to work at a, um, I don't even I still have no idea what he did. He was like a raw chemical engineer. For, Spy. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> for, what I hear, Mike. Spy. That's, that's no, he made right magnets for the insides of Hey, hey. Wink, <laughs> yeah. wink. Yeah. Sure he did, buddy. He, he carried blueberries <laughs> from city to city. Okay. <laughs> uh, your TikTok response has been strong. Man, I, I still haven't figured it out. I don't know what the heck I'm doing on but, there. It's, but you've still been able to do really cool things on there at for the same sure, time. Without a doubt. And isn't that kind of what TikTok is, is the fact that the raw stuff really does do better most of the time. It does, man. And I spend a lot of time hating it. I think I had a jealousy watching other people just blow the heck up and be like, why can't I do anything like that? And uh, I had to, 
like kind of get my mind out of that and get my mindset out of that to be like, man, these people are just trying to do the same thing I'm doing. They're just using a different platform to do it. And once I figured that and flipped that switch, I was like, man, this is this is actually a really cool tool and a really cool way to discover new artists. That's it. It's a cool tool. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I have a friend of mine who's just won't get on TikTok, and he's a big artist, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, I don't want to like be TikToky, and I'm like. Bro, being TikToky may have been a thing like two years ago, but now it's just like anything else. Mm. Like they're all roads. Without a doubt, you're all on, you're you're on the road going all different places. Like just use it so people can find you, and maybe they want to find everything else you've done. Yeah. You don't have to get on and do dances. Without a doubt, you get on and just play your songs. That's it. Yeah. And if nobody watches it, okay, nobody knew it was there anyway. If they don't watch, it's not you're not embarrassing yourself. Yeah. And he was like, I just don't want to do TikTok. And I said to him, You will do TikTok. You will. And you're going to, six months after, you're going to be like, why didn't I start earlier? Mm. And I said, and I'm not going to be supportive. I'm going to be like, yeah, that's right, idiot. Because I told you <laughs> to get on TikTok. And so, yeah, like, I think you thrive there because you sound so good, where, even when it doesn't matter what the acoustics are. If it can be a microphone with a speaker, a bathroom, or just in a room where the acoustics are terrible, like you have that voice. That kind of takes command. You know, we talked about earlier, Ray Charles. Like, that's you in a different way. Yeah. And I like the one you did in your Speedo. Like, I thought that was, <laughs> thought it was brave. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a brave thought decision was, by me. That was great. Yeah. Uh, so what's the deal with the new music? You, you're talking about recording songs. Man, just... Uh, like, what's like when, when, what? What can you tell me? We got no rules anymore, man. I'm okay, just kind of... You're <laughs> not saying anything when you say there are no rules. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I'm just... I'm putting out whatever... I kind of feel like right now. I don't know. It's uh, I don't really. Ha- I have a project in mind. Yeah, whether these songs that I'm recording now are going to live on that project or just be random singles that I throw out, uh, I don't know yet. I'm just kind of. I'm just recording the songs that I love and uh, gonna hopefully have a song out next month. Hopefully, uh, we'll see. February. Yeah, that's what you're saying. February. Hopefully. hopefully, who who makes that final call? I do, but it's a uh, it's going to be a song that's a little bit more dear to my heart that I was kind of in a dark spot when I wrote it and it's called take me home to Carolina or take me home. Um, and, uh, it was kind of written like right at the end of the year, right during CMAs. And I was just like, I was kind of pissed and it's kind of a, as much as I didn't want it to be, it's kind of an F you to the industry. And I learned a lot about it or about myself when I was writing it and being like, why, why am I so bitter towards things that I can't control? So that song, I'm just putting it out as a voice memo. It's going to be like a voice memo, that's mastered, basically, and just you can master a voice memo. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they told me. Wow, I've done a lot of fu's to the industry. Mine are rarely that well received. <laughs> I hope yours. Oh yeah. <laughs> I hope your song is like, hey, this is a good song. My fu's don't end very well for me sometimes. <laughs> this festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. 
regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and T.J. Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Well, man, I'm super pumped for you. You're, like, really good. Appreciate that, man. And not just... Everybody's really good yeah. here. I mean, everybody's good. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I see you at this point, you're pretty good with the possibility of being really good. But, and I may have told you this when you were up in the, in the, in the room with us, it's rare that be- somebody comes in and those other people care mm-hmm. in my room because those are all my friends who didn't get into this for any other reason except they were my friends like Amy and Lunchbox and Eddie. Those are all my friends. They didn't they were like, yeah, we'll do the show with you. So they didn't get in because they have some sort some sort of love for they like music. Everybody likes music. Mm. Sometimes people love music for different reasons, but they don't they didn't they don't care enough to be moved. Mm. But you came and performed and you walked out and they were like, God dang. They were love like that. that's the, they're like that's they don't say that about anybody. Maybe one or two people a year. Man, and so yeah, that's like my my lasting impression of you. It was when you walked out, all those people that usually don't care cared, and that's really cool. And like Jake, for example, cared. He didn't know you. Yeah, thinking back and putting all those dots together, it's. I mean, that's that's really cool how that all happened. He's like, you know, this guy. Nope, heard of him. Listen to this song. Oh yeah, it is pretty good. And then. We were, I, I'd seen that video of you um, doing... The Speedo one? Yeah, no, I have that. That's on my phone. <laughs> I watch that one all the time. I seen that, and maybe it was, I saw that one, and maybe it was a voice video too, and we were like, let's get him up to the show. Then you did that, and then it was just, it's just really cool. You leave like a, a trail of like authenticity. Appreciate that. And that's hard to do here, man. <laughs> that's hard to do in this town, because everybody's just trying to get it, you know? Everybody's yeah, trying to get it. Yeah, who? Uh, I'll just ask you a couple more questions, because I'm just interested in you as a person. Yeah. If you were to create like the four people in this town that have been good to you, that can mean they gave you food when you were hungry, they gave you a record deal when you were good, they put you on a tour. Who are the four people in this town that you would put on your Mount Rushmore, people that have been good to Cameron? Uh, I'd say my manager, my girlfriend. Um... Wait, are they the same person? No. You said it so quickly. No, I'm sorry. I was. I knew those two are my like. Oh, they're, my, they're my chance. Say their names too. Your manager. Yeah. So Megan, my girlfriend, my manager, Caitlin. Got and then, Caitlin's here. Caitlin's here. Yeah. Okay, got it. And then um, I'd say 
Anthony DiVincenzo. Uh, he's always been great to me. And um, shoot, who's Anthony DiVincenzo? That is her, uh, my manager's boyfriend. And what? And does he? So he's give you just, back rubs or no? He's just. Like, I want to know how they've affected you. Oh, here. okay. I'm sorry. They yeah. uh, they've all just had my back in this in this town where if I'm even in the roughest spots that I could possibly be in, they've always kept kept me grounded and kept me reminding who I am as a person. And I feel like it's really easy to lose yourself when you get into town and get into this industry. Especially when you start to make it a little bit. You can I lose agree. yourself real quick. I agree 100%, man. And uh, I think, I don't know, I, I don't know if I speak for everybody, but when you start going from headline shows and, like, selling out a show and then go to a fair or something like that, that where maybe four or five people show up, you really have to check yourself because your ego will start getting big. And uh, they keep me grounded, and I, I appreciate them for that. Who's the fourth one? I'm going to say, uh, can it be like a conglomerate? It can group? be whatever you want. All right. Uh, my Sony family, they've been really good to me, man. They've, uh, they've really let me steer the ship when it comes to my career and the music that I want to make, and I respect that. No one's ever asked, can it be a conglomerate? Right, Mike? And all the questions <laughs> that have been asked back. Um, now let's do this professionally only, and you don't even have to meet them, but like artist-wise, who do you put up on those four as like your favorites if you only got four artists to listen to for the rest of your life? Their bodies of work would be there for you. Mm. Oh, wow. Let's go George Jones. We'll go Kings of Leon. We'll go Brooks and Dunn. And George Strait. You met the Brooks and Dunn guys? Yeah. They're awesome. They're awesome. Yeah, I mean, just ridiculous, man. Ronnie is one of the coolest guys ever, man. He's, yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like, well, he's a dear friend, and it's crazy to think that who I listened to and idolized musically growing up, we go to dinner with mm. our wives. That, to me, is bizarre. And there are times where we're there, and I'm like, I, it's like, I cannot believe what is happening. Do you have those moments here now with some of the people oh. that look at you and go, dude, you're really good, but you're like, no, but you're really better. Yeah, without a doubt, man. And it's so, what's so cool about Ronnie Dunn is like, dude, he sounds, I feel like, better yeah, now. Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't even make yeah. sense. Like, you see a show, and it's like, holy. Mm-hmm. How does how does this even happen? He we got my wife and I got married a year and a half or so ago back here in the back, and Ronnie sang at our wedding. Oh man! And you know, there's 250 people, 300 people there, and it's we you know built a little place back there f- for the reception. And Ronnie's like, "Yeah, I'll sing. I'll sing whatever you want." And so he comes out and he does Neon Moon, and not only does he do Neon Moon, he like does the breakdown part. Mm. Hey, he's like doing runs. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. It was wild. That is and he's wild. So, but he's so good. Yeah. Still, the crazy thing is he has somebody in his ears telling the words all the time. Hey, dude, I, why not? I just put a prompter up. I'd love to have that. Just put a prompter up. You got somebody back there you having to hear and sing? <laughs> just put a prompter up so you can see the words. He's like, oh, I don't want to do that. He's like, then I'll look old. <laughs> Bro. I put I, I tell jokes. I put a prompter of my jokes down there, dude. If I could figure out how to run one of those things, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Well, you're not supposed to run it yourself. Well, I know, but to like get have somebody, somebody to run it. Yeah. Can you imagine him singing, running the prompter oh, himself? Yeah. Got a little on your phone, scroll just scrolling it up. Oh no, start over. Yeah. <laughs> do you feel like you have to be sad to write sad songs? No, I'm actually opposite. I write happy songs when I'm sad and sad songs when I'm happy. Okay, what does that mean to you? I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm like that. Think about it. Why do you think? We'll end on this, maybe one more. But why okay. do you think you write happy songs when you're sad? I think I try and change the perspective. And I try and change and put myself in a different spot. And I don't know if that's a creative thing that I do. 
but it's just kind of how my mind works when I'm writing songs. What's the saddest song that you have? Ooh. Song called Break It. And uh, it's not out. It's just a song that I wrote. And uh, it's like... Are you going to put it out? I might. How's it go? Give me a little bit of that, that deal again where you do like just a little singing. Oh, shoot. Breaking news. I got to think. I hadn't listened to this song in so long. I'll sing it. Break it. <laughs> uh, it's basically the hook is I'd rather lose it or lose you than break it. Basically, I'd rather lose us or lose this relationship than keep breaking your heart over and over and over mm. again. That's good. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a cool song, man. What's the saddest song you've ever heard? I just had this conversation yesterday, and uh, just to see you smile mm. is actually not supposed to be this, like, love song. And once I heard that and found that out and listened back to it, it is sad. It's, Cla- it's really great. You Look Wonderful Tonight. Oh, yeah, wow. You Look Wonderful Tonight. It, it, everybody thinks that is, like, a uh, real happy song, but it's actually not a happy song. He's like, hurry the freak up. Mm. It's not like a loving. There are also upbeat songs that are very touching. Uh, the and I would walk five hundred miles. You know that song? <laughs> yeah. It's I the, have no idea what that song is about. Well, it's the most beautiful thing ever. It's like I would walk five hundred miles and I would walk five hundred more just to see the look on your face because oh, wow. I'm in so in love with you. But when you have those two, da 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 da, it kind of makes it this big jovial song. Yeah. But it's such a beautiful song that is it's you know an upbeat song. But it's really cool to hear some of those upbeat songs that are really sad. And mm. just see smiles kind of a mid-tempo. Yeah. But that feels like, just to see you smile, I do. It's a happy but it's really not really yeah. what it feels like. Man. Yeah. That's cool. He stopped loving her today. Oh, God. God dang. Yeah. It, Have it, you ever heard Broken Window Serenade? Uh-uh. You should check that one out. It's by Whiskey Myers. And it is, that one's make you sad. Really? That one's like, but it's meant to make you sad. Like, it's. About some girl that got hooked on drugs and ends up passing away. Uh, Diamonds and Gasoline. Who's that, uh, that by? I know I know that song. Yeah, you do. Turnpike Trivia. Yeah, dude. It's like, if I don't give you a diamond, I'm going to, I've got to have gasoline because I get out of here. Oh, man. Man, that is it, too. That's a jam. We can sit there and do sad songs. We'll cry on <laughs> each other's shoulder. Sad songs are my favorite. Me I don't too. know why. Me, too. Just, I want it slow. I want to understand the words. Yeah. I want to, like, feel it. R.E.M., Everybody Hurts, one of my favorite songs ever. I used to oh. play it all the time, just alone. I wasn't even sad. I'd just be like, play it. I wanted to get sad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Look, we've we talked about it. This this has been awesome. Uh, you guys follow Cameron with a K. Yeah. They Cameron do a lot. You did get, get a lot of C's. Yeah, People get a lot of name. C's all the time. Yeah, Cameron with a K. Marlo. I mean, even your last name spelled a little difficult, Cameron, if I'm being honest. Yeah, Marlo still, with an E. <laughs> there's still time to change it with a C and no E. I'm going Kmar next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you guys follow Cameron. Uh, we Were Cowboys came out in September or so of last year. He says there are no rules, and he's just going to put out voicemails. He leaves people, apparently, as <laughs> songs at this point. Voice memos. You know, I've heard voicemails. Um, really looking forward to – I don't want to say what's next, but I want to say I'm really looking forward to, you know, what, what, what you decide – what path you decide to walk down. You know, because mm. you're going to go down a bunch of them. You have so many different, like, really cool influences. Your music's going to sound different over two or three or four projects, which is super cool because, again, you do have such a blues and old country and new, like, the inf- And I'm just super excited to see where this goes, man. And, and then where it goes after that. Appreciate that, man. That's really cool. I'm, I'm a fan. And I, when you drove up, your truck was too big for the security camera. And I, <laughs> did, he, did you hear me out there? I was yeah. like, God, oh, I got to. <laughs> he pushed the button. And and I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I was on the toilet, and 
a camera pulls up, and all I see is a truck door. And so I was like, hello? He goes, Cameron. <laughs> and I was like, I guess that's Cameron. It was so probably, I, just yeah, I guess it probably. Beep, beeped it in. <laughs> what kind of gas mileage I think get? It actually does really well. It gets 28. Really? Yeah, it's diesel. Oh, Burns okay. good. All right. All right, look. We've said it all. I like you a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah. I like you too, man. Yeah, you should. That's cool. <laughs> uh, Mike, anything for Cameron? Uh, that's good. All right. Cameron Marlowe, you guys follow it. And when you put out new music, like maybe next month, is that a new single or is that just a song to kind of chum the water? Just chum the water. Just, yeah. yeah. Let me know when you get that, that when you're ready again. Yeah. Come on back up. Do it again. Let's do it. Let's do it again. All right. Cameron Marlowe, everybody. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines. Plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines. All on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R.